Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey guys, we got two special guests today. We got Michael Sapienza. He's CEO of Colorectal Cancer Alliance. And then we also have Angie Lowry, and she is VP of Marketing and Communications. The reason I'm having these people on today is because myself and my brother, Zach Edwards, are going to be running the New York City Marathon on November 7th, 2021. And we were tasked by joining the marathon to raise money for colorectal cancer. So I thought, why not bring in the best? Why not bring in the brightest? And let's hear their stories on how this cancer has affected their lives, but also how they're overcoming it through taking action. So Michael, Angie, how are you guys doing today? We're good. It's what, Tuesday? It's Tuesday. And what I think is funny, Jordan, is like this word colorectal, right? Especially when you're 25 years old, like people like don't even understand, you know, what what your what does colorectal mean or where is it? Your colon is your large intestines and your rec, rectal is your rectum, obviously. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths for both men and women combined. So um, serious topic for sure. Absolutely. And Michael, we're going to appreciate any explanation you leave here because I don't know that the audience says much about this as well. Um, as when I started the marathon, and they told me that this was going to be the organization. I go, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, where does that go? So, Angie, how did you get started with nonprofits and get engaged? And where did that all start off with you? Well, I've been working in the nonprofit sector for more than 20 years. Uh, I sort of fell into it. It was one of those uh, things where I followed um, a boss from the private sector to the nonprofit sector. And that's how um, I started my career there. But this is my first healthcare for a cancer nonprofit. And uh, I made this leap because I really wanted to find um, a mission-driven organization where I could see daily in the daily impact that I was making. And with colorectal cancer, as Michael mentioned, uh, there's not a lot of awareness out there um, around it, even though it is a huge, huge cancer. Um, and so every little bit that we do to raise awareness around this and to help the patients and caregivers um, who are currently dealing with it, like you can, you can see that every single day and it's very rewarding. Amazing. Yeah, you definitely want to know that your organization's doing the right thing. And Michael, for you, I know you were 
this is very bizarre because your story starts out a little bit differently. You were looking to be a professional musician and attain that and then made the jump. Yeah. I was a professional musician, actually. So, you know, I went to school at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York, then to Northwestern University, and I got my master's degree in Rice University in Houston. I moved back to Chicago. I performed the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, Chicago Civic Orchestra, Chicago Chamber Musicians. And then I won a job uh, in the New World Symphony, which is kind of like doing your residency if you're, if you're a doctor. Um, and the conductor of that orchestra is a guy named Michael Tilson Thomas, who also conducts the San Francisco Symphony. And within the first month of me being there, uh, I got a call from my parents on Saturday morning. And it, I don't, you know, you probably don't know like a concert schedule of a classical orchestra, but it's normally Friday night, Saturday night, and then like Sunday during the day, right? And so my parents had waited for me to have the first concert. I was playing principal trumpet on on something. I don't even at this point and it was a hard hard thing right and it's my first first gig with the new conductor and all that sort of stuff so um did the performance it went awesome the next morning got a call from my my parents and they both were on the phone and i was like this is really bizarre why are they both calling me that just didn't happen right and my mom says we've hit a little bump in the road they found a large tumor in my colon and jordan obviously it's not funny but it's funny because when you say I don't even know what this is. I said the same thing. I was probably two years, three years old, two years older than you at this at that point. I was like 27 or 28. And I said, well, where the heck is your colon? Like, I mean, like I knew what your large intestine or your small intestines. But anyway, fast forward a little bit, probably uh, two and a half years. Unfortunately, my mom died uh, on Mother's Day in 2009. And to, to tell a little bit of a story, like, you know, everybody knows what Susan Gutelman is or Race for the Cure is. Everybody knows what leukemia lymphoma is. Everybody knows what HIV is. Everybody knows what heart disease is, diabetes. But no one knows that colon cancer or colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths. And, you know, at, right before my mom died, we were participating in this walk, which was the first walk that ever happened for colon cancer called the Scope It Out. And she's like, why isn't this on the radio? Why isn't it on TV? Why aren't those celebrities talking about it? Like Angelina talks about how she has breast cancer, and BRCA, et cetera. And um, so we started this huge team as part of this Scope It Out. We raised, I don't know, $30,000, $40,000, which is the highest anybody had ever raised in that team. And my brother at the time, who was a scientist, was like, Michael, you know, what would you do? I can tell you're like, you're, you're struggling. Obviously, mom died. And you know, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Would you do something else? And I said, yes, I'd start a colon cancer foundation. And so I didn't have a million dollars. We're not, you know, a, a wealthy family like that. But we started what's called the Christopher Life Colon Cancer Foundation from scratch in my parents' basement and built it into a almost $3 million organization in four, four and a half years. And then in 2015, I said, you know what, we need to combine forces with other groups that are doing just as great of work as we are, because we're still nowhere near the size we need to be to be making impacts the way we should be, right? So we actually, in 2006, in January of that year, we merged with the then Colon Cancer Alliance. We officially changed our name to the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. And I'm going to have you say that 10 times faster before the end of this podcast. Um, and we've tripled in size since that time, tripled uh, our impact and tripled in size. So 
it's yes, it's an, an incredible story. Um, obviously, my mom would be hiding under the table knowing that um, this was done in her memory for sure. But I also think every day, you know, it's like my mom's passing was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but it's also the best thing that's ever happened to me and for so many other people. I mean, she lived her life like wanting to help others, and this is her legacy. That's absolutely incredible. I'm also so sorry about your loss. Uh, and there's there's two major things I want to bring up that I, that I loved in the story. The first is that your brother sat there and said to you, if you had all the money in the world, you had everything you wanted, what would make you happy? And I think there's so many times in in our day and age where we never get to ask that question to ourselves and we never go out there and really get it because we go, oh, I got to be on Wall Street. I got to go do my job. I got to do this. I can't quit. I can't drop everything. I can't do that. But it all starts in the basement. You know what I mean? It, it, it starts somewhere. And then the other amazing thing, I think, is that you had the foresight to go, we're not competitors with these different organizations. We're actually aligned. We're all on the same mission. So why don't we just make the world's biggest one, which you guys have obtained, like, it, it's absolutely incredible. And I was telling Angie prior that I was like, Michael, he, he's not, he didn't come from a doctor background. He didn't do that. And yet he is making this impact on the world. Like no one's ever, like most people haven't seen before. And I completely commend you from that. It, it's very impressive to see the mission drivenness that has kept you going. So, so for you, what, what keeps you motivated each day? And like, maybe elaborate a little bit on the colon dynamic, how it can be prevented and how it's fairly easy, like to bring awareness. Yeah, I'll touch on the what keeps me motivated. And then Angie, why don't you talk about the prevention piece? How about that? And I, so I'll, I'll just tell you the last week. Um, and which will be a little bit tough to do, but I'm gonna try it anyway. So Angie and I on Tuesday morning at, I can't cuss on this probably, but zero dark 30, zero dark 30 in the morning, got on a plane to head to Houston, Texas. Um, and Houston, Texas is a is the Robbins family. Uh, Vinnie Robbins was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 15, um, late stage cancer. And in 2019, which was a year after he was diagnosed, um, he was found to be no evidence disease or quote unquote, like no cancer found in his body. He came to our big gala, like he, him and his twin brother, Eli, came up on stage with his mom, Jackie, and we like really celebrated and everybody was like, you know, we raised a record $2.2 million at that gala. Anyway, to make a long story short, in the summer of 2020, his cancer came back at the age of 16. And it has progressed. It has progressed really, really far. And, um, we spent, so we got to his house, I don't know, with, with our friend and awesome supporter who also lost his wife um, to the disease at the age of 41 um, to do filming of Vinny and his family and just talk, talk to them about like everything. Why does he do this? Why is there not enough research for colon cancer? Blah, 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 blah. Well, it was hard. It was like, um, you know, Vinny is a 17 year old who's really suffering and a lot of pain, both emotionally and physically. You know, he talked about how he really just wished he could hang out with his girlfriend and be the cool kid in school, not having to worry about living or dying or 
when is his next chemo treatment going to be, et cetera. And then you have like every other person, you know, his, his, his twin brother saying, I'm worried about when's the next time I'm, you know, when, when is Vinny going to die? Basically, he didn't say that, but he said, you know, when is the next time I'm going to see Vinny alive? And Jordan, those, those moments, which happen, unfortunately, a lot to us, all of our, you know, patient family support team and Angie and all of us are still very, very close to patients and their families. And that is what keeps me motivated because we don't have a cure for them. We don't, not just 15 or 17 year olds, but even 60 year olds. My mom was 59 when she died. There were three options for her. And, you know, in 2020, there were 22 new FDA approved drugs for leukemia and lymphoma, and there was two for colon cancer. So that's a huge problem. And that's exactly where, if people give you money for this marathon, that's exactly where it's gonna go. It's gonna go to screening people, which I know Angie's gonna talk about it in a second. It's gonna go to making sure people aren't alone, that they live longer, via like finding out biomarkers and precision medicine, and then making sure that we have enough research so people have more options and can live long, healthy lives. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely amazing. And, and that's what, I, I love that. that. That mission is truly one that pushes people to be more empowered and want to take control. And uh, thank you for doing that, Michael. A yep. Angie, for, for you, um, how do people kind of screen for colon as it's the second leading cancer? Um, what can people do to prevent it? Like how, how is it just undetectable? How, how does that work? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. There are a lot of different reasons that people either don't know about this cancer or don't understand that they are um, relatively in control of whether or not they get this cancer. So first off, you know, it, it, it has a reputation of sort of being an older person's cancer, even an old man's cancer, um, which is absolutely not true. Um, the number of, of um, instances of people under 50 uh, being diagnosed with this cancer is growing, I think about 2% per year, um, which is, um, is staggering. Um, but, you know, to, to what we talked about earlier, people don't even know where their colons are right? Like this is not something that is on people's radars, especially younger people. Um, and so just education and awareness is a huge piece of what we do. Um, some of the things that we encourage people to do is to know their family history um, and um, to pay attention to their bodies. So if they're experiencing any of the common symptoms um, that are associated um, with colon cancer, uh, we try to make people um, aware of what those are um, and to be on the lookout for them. And then they really have to just be an advocate for themselves, especially if they're younger, because um, colon cancer is frequently misdiagnosed as hemorrhoids or IBS or something else. Um, and many of our um, many of our younger patients um, report that they have to see multiple doctors um, and really push very hard um, in order to get the proper tests and screenings done that identify colon cancer. And there are lots of different screening options. Colonoscopy is obviously the gold standard. That is the one that finds precancerous polyps, allows you to remove them. If you remove the polyps, you don't get colon cancer. So that's, you know, that is the, like I said, the gold standard on the, the preventative side, but there are also other options. There are 
stool-based tests um, that you can do at home. There are some blood-based tests that are currently in clinical trials. Um, so um, just again, like being aware um, that this is um, that this is a huge cancer um, and that you you know, you just need to, to pay attention to your body. You need to know your family history and you can do at-home screenings to, to protect yourself. The other thing that I'll mention, which is a huge barrier for this particular disease is stigma. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. If they do know where their colon is and where their rectum is, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it with their family at the dinner table or anywhere else. They don't talk about it around the water cooler at work. Nobody says, hey guys, I'm going to get my colonoscopy. Um, you know, women didn't used to talk about their breasts and mammograms, and now that is common um, conversation. Women encouraging each other. Have you gotten your mammogram this year? Hey, I heard you were going to get your mammogram. How was it? Um, people aren't talking about colonoscopies and other colon cancer screenings in the same way. Um, and they certainly don't want to talk about any symptoms that they might be having that may be causing them to go talk to their doctor. So uh, those are the things that we focus on from the screening side, education, awareness, screening options, and reducing stigma. Yeah, Angie, can I add just, or Jordan, can I add just, just a, a little bit of a, a personal story? So my mom was 56 when she was diagnosed. Currently, the age is 45 now. It was 50 until like two months ago. Um, my mom had never had a screening. She died because she did not get screened. So if people are listening, whether you're 25 or you're 65, you should make sure that every person in your family, number one, that you know their family history. Number two, if you're 45 or older, you've had a screen, period. It will save your life. Like, period. I mean, it just, you heard what I said. My mom died because she didn't do it. Um, and it, it, ate, it ate away at her, the two and a half years. And then the only other thing, Angie, that I would just add in terms of the symptoms, so you're aware, but I just wanna be very clear about this. If you have symptoms, it's often too late. So getting screened is way more important, especially if you're 45 or older, or if you have a first degree relative that had this disease, you have to get, you have to get screened 10 years prior. So if my mom had been diagnosed at 45, I should have been getting screened at 35. Um, so, and the symptoms are change in bowel habits, unexplained weight loss, um, blood in your stool, especially dark blood, um, you know, cramping, night sweats, et cetera. It does not mean that you have colon cancer. I want to make sure we don't scare everybody to going in tomorrow at 19 or 20, you know, your chances are very, very, very low when you're that young, but we have to be our own advocate, no matter whether you're 20 or you're 50. Um, and the number one group that is not getting screened are people ages 50 to 54. Um, and if the screen rate is 45%, and it's because they're busy. They say they have kids that are you know, just about to go to college and they're in the prime of their careers and all of this stuff. It's not just poor people that don't have access. That is a problem too. But again, get screened, period. It will save your life. Yeah, so I mean, you brought, both of you guys brought up a couple major points. Um, in regard to, I know you guys just got, there's a $3.4 million going to help that health disparity and um, poverty line. And like, what what does the screening look like? Is the screening like, because you mentioned, hey, I can do it at home. Does that mean I pick it up at CVS? Like, the reason I ask this is because I have no clue. 
And I would expect the audience, they might know or they might not know, but you tell me screening, I'm like, I gotta go to the doctor. I gotta figure out how my insurance works. I gotta figure out, like, you know what I mean? There's just variables and you get busy. So I'm just curious with you guys, like as a brainstorming session here, like, like what, what's that look like? Is yeah. It like, yeah. Yeah. The first thing I would say, Jordan, is you got to talk to your, your primary care physician, you know, whether you're 25 or you're 50 or you're 65, right? Because they're going to be um, your, your best go-to person to find out the, t- the, the test that is right for you. There's a lot of nuances. Like for me, I have to get a colonoscopy because I have a family history. But for you, if you don't have a family history or for Angie, you guys can get a Cologuard, which it still has to have a prescription or a fit test, which depending on the type of fit test, you could buy it on Amazon, F-I-T, fit test. Both of those are stool tests. Like you put something in the toilet, you go to the bathroom, you have to like put some solution in, you cover it up. They literally send you a box to put it in. It doesn't smell, I promise. Um, and literally uh, FedEx or UPS or someone comes to pick it up and then they send you your results. Um, that's the same with the fit test. Um, Cologuard is a little bit more sensitive than a, than a fit test, but they're both very good tests. Um, the colonoscopy, you have to start prepping the day before. So I don't know if you've heard of the colonoscopy prep, but it basically is making you poop a lot. It's literally getting everything out of your system, like just clearing it out. So it's literally clear by the time that you finish the prep. It's not fun. It's not fun. But I will tell you this, they've gotten preps that are way better. It used to be you had to drink this whole big old jar of, of stuff with like a ton of liquid, you know, plus like, uh, what are those things called? Uh, the digest, what is it called? The Miralax and Dulcolax, Angie? Laxatives. Uh, laxative, thank you, with two laxatives. And so you're just literally on the toilet all night. So like people make the jokes, like, what are you gonna watch during your, your you know, your, uh, your bath your prep. Your prep, yeah. So then the next morning or the next afternoon you go in, and the procedure is really short. It's like 20, 30 minutes at most. They put you out. You're on Propofol, which is the, the drug that Michael Jackson was addicted to. There is a reason why he's addicted to it, because it's like you'd have no idea what's happening. Yes, they insert a small tube up your butt. Yes, they do. And it has a camera. And they look for polyps. And polyps are what turns into cancer. And what they do is if they see those polyps, they actually remove them right then and there. And then they pull out the, the, the scope, you like go out of the waiting room, you wake up and then hopefully everything is fine. And if you have no polyps, you don't have to come back for 10 years. If you have polyps, probably between three and five years, um, you have to go back and you're done. So again, it will save your life. It's like, it's like uh, if you have skin cancer or if you have moles and you have to get moles checked on your body, right? If those moles turn into precancer or cancerous, they have to remove them. That is what prevents skin cancer from happening. They yeah. remove the polyps. That's what prevents colon cancer from happening. So uh, a lot of it is just being very preventative because it is a preventative. If you are prepared and you speak to the right people and they check you out and you look good, then there's that comfort. And it's one day out of 10 years. Like, yeah, is that exactly. worth it? Exactly. And, and the other way to look at it is, look, Breast cancer, when you have a mammogram, you cannot prevent it. You're finding it. You're looking for it. If you have pancreatic cancer, there's no way to look for it, right? If you have brain cancer or if you have lung cancer, there are no preventative measures for the majority of cancers. Colon is the one we can end. 
and yeah. people have to do the test. Yeah. So is there, so for you guys, what, what's your like ultimate mission? Is there, is there a way to like make it mandatory screenings or bring that to light or just obviously we talked about education where people need to know what's going on and it shouldn't be so uh, not talked about. Like we need to be discussing this and having these discussions and it should be encouraged. So either I, always, I always say that our mission is to put ourselves out of business. Our ultimate goal is to not have the need for the colorectal cancer alliance, um, because that means that, you know, people know about the disease, they're um, being proactive and taking control of their health, and they're getting the necessary screenings that they need to get when they need to get them, and they are preventing themselves from ever getting this cancer. That's pretty pie in the, you know, pie in the sky, I know, but that's, that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it sound and now how, how, like, what would that have to look like? It would have to be everyone taking their exams, being prepared, understanding, having the awareness, right? Or is if, there anything I'm missing? If a hundred percent of our population, of our age population, meaning 45 and above or people that had family history got screenings, we would save about 40,000 lives a year in this country, 40 something. Oh, wow. So about 140,000, 145,000 people will be diagnosed with colon cancer this year and about 53,000 of them will die um, or 53,000 people will die. But if you had everybody, meaning 100%, um, you're not going to catch them all because you have people that have genetic predispositions, et cetera, but you'll catch pretty much almost all of them, almost 90% of them, if everybody was screened. It would, it would basically almost eradicate the disease. Wow. I mean, I, I know for myself, I am definitely going to look into this more and definitely brought my awareness up because, I mean, that's the main thing of what this is all about. It's about raising awareness and helping those around. So, uh, Michael and Angie, I, my question is, so if people were to donate uh, to this marathon and to the organization, how is the money being distributed? What are they doing with it? Where is it going? What are people seeing? Yeah. So first... So we have three, three main programs, Screen Care Cure, again, Screen Care Cure. The care program is pretty self-explanatory. It's, there are 1.4 million Americans right now living with colon cancer in the United States, and we want them to live longer. We want them to not feel alone. We want them to have the support that they need when they're going to look for a clinical trial, or if they're having a hard time emotionally, or if they need financial assistance, or if they want to be in a community. So we have navigators, we have online communities, we have a buddy program, we have financial assistance, we have a conference. We have all these things that make sure that patients aren't alone and that have the support that they need. In addition, we have programs where patients need to find out what their biomarkers look like. And what that means, Jordan, is if they do get cancer, what is the makeup of their tumor and how do we make sure that they're getting the right treatment for that tumor? That is the future of the way that cancer will uh, cancer treatment will work. So that's our, our, our care program. Cure program is self-explanatory. We have to invest in life-saving methods to make sure there are enough options for those patients that match their tumors, right? You know, right now, breast cancer, and like I said earlier, leukemia and lymphoma have way more biomarkers, way more options, especially for late-stage disease. We do not in this field. And it's because... You know, 
physicians, doctors, researchers, they go where the money is. They go where there's enough research dollars and breast cancer, leukemia, lymphoma, and prostate and others have gotten a lot more attention, a lot more research funding. So that's our goal is to bring more junior investigators into the field. And then the, the first one, screen, what do we do? Um, we are about to launch a brand new brand um, with Ryan Reynolds and his firm, Maximum Effort, which hopefully will allow this cause to explode and bring people into the funnel to then learn about what Angie and I have been talking about around screening, about life-saving preventative measures, et cetera. We also have live and digital navigation tools that were like um, basically delivering all across the country. And that's in addition to the, the, the $3.4 million that you heard about yesterday, where we're helping underserved communities through free fit tests, free colonoscopies, free Cologuard from exact sciences, et cetera. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the impact that we have in our three prime mission. Wow. And you mentioned that you're partnering with, was that Ryan Reynolds? Yes, sir. How and, did that come to be? And do you want to talk a little bit about it? Michael, I feel like you guys are, I, I love your strategy because it goes, we're not eliminating the competition. We're not beating everyone. We collaborate with everyone until we get this call. It's incredible. Um, but Andrew, yeah, dive in on this. Right. So we've been talking for a long time around uh, this stigma piece and sort of the barriers that we are facing in just raising awareness generally and then getting people to take action. And it all, this, this initiative, this movement all started around discussions about how we talk about this disease, right? Medical, statistics, scary, colonoscopies, colonoscopy prep, you know, parts of your body that you don't want to talk about, all of this. And we started thinking about how we needed to change the way that we were reaching people and the messages that we were delivering, to them. So we started on this, um, on this project to, and, and, and the way that we're describing it is we want to rebrand colon cancer and we want to, uh, talk about it in, um, an inspiring way, in a hopeful way, in a way that makes people understand that this is the preventable cancer, um, and that they are in control and that they can take action and keep themselves from actually getting this disease. And so this has been in the works, the strategy part of it has been in the works for over a year, um, well over a year, um, but we were fortunate enough to get the attention of Maximum Effort, um, which is the brand um, agency um, that is um, you know, owned and run by Ryan Reynolds. And they were interested in this cause. Uh, it's not, something that they have previously done. So this was kind of a challenge for them to take on um, something uh, like this project. And we are working with them right now to come up with sort of what that new brand is and what that new messaging is around this disease. And obviously the ultimate goal, as Michael said, the top of the funnel, we want to reach as many people as possible with information about this disease. And I'm guessing that with Ryan Reynolds at the helm of maximum effort, that we will do it in um, using smart humor. Um, we don't want this to be slapstick. We don't want it to be gross. Um, again, that goes to the stigma piece, um, but with very smart humor that gets people talking. That's what we want. We want to get people talking about this disease. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, go ahead. 
No, I don't know if you've seen his most recent video, but he did this one called the vasectomy because he has the uh, his he he owns an aviation gin, and so there he was making some like mm -hmm. some gin drink, and it's like it's actually totally not gross at all. It, it's just like this tinge of humor and he's just dead serious when he delivers it and so yeah we're really looking forward to, to working with the maximum effort and and ryan certainly and the exciting news is that ryan turns 45 in october so he is now going to be uh in that screening age so we are we're excited to to launch something around that this fall um with him and with his team and um to get a lot of eyes and ears on this disease yeah, I mean, that's absolutely, I mean, it also helps. I just looked them up. 30 million followers on Instagram. I'm not saying that those are all valid, but I'm just saying like that connection and that merger, I mean, that's just so powerful because it's, it, it, we have to realize that we're not doing this on our own. There's no way that any of us can accomplish any big goal on our own. And the reason I bring this up is just for the audience, a, a normal podcast is about success and how that was accomplished. And, and we're still going down that path. And I just want to say that what Michael and Angie are doing right now is just they're partnering up, allowing them to excel in their own relate, allow them to push their mission forward, but also help others with their mission as well. So it's a value add for both sides, which is absolutely massive to have. It's pivotal for these relationships to work. If anyone feels like they're being used, it will never work. It needs to be a value add on both sides. Yeah, I really like what you said, Jordan, about partnerships, because that is a huge element of what we do at the Alliance. You are absolutely right. The Alliance is not going to end colorectal cancer. We're going to do that with all of these other partners. And some of them are in the industry, right? We, we partner with pharmaceutical companies. We partner with, you know, GI doctors. We partner with um, healthcare facilities. Um but we also are partnering with, um, you know, PR folks and advertising agencies. We have grassroots efforts um, that um, are with community organizations and things like that. You know, um, we talk a lot about the fact that the messenger is equally as important as the message, sometimes even more important um, than the message itself. So we have to find partners in this effort that take what we're doing and help us spread the word. So a lot of what we do is actually just creating the resources and providing the resources to other folks. And then they help us deliver the message. So that $3.4 million um, investment that we've referenced a couple of times, right? We're, we're not providing fit tests. Let's get checked is providing fit tests. We're not providing Cologuard tests. Exact Sciences is doing that. We do pay for some colonoscopies, but this fund that has been created with Cottonelle and Black Health, they are actually paying for colonoscopies for people in underserved communities. Um, the researchers that we help fund, we're not doing the research. We're doing some of our, you know, our own intramural, intramural research, but we're, we're partnering with them and helping them do their research. Um, so it is all about, you know, all coming together and, you know, everybody plays a role. In, in, in our mission and what we're doing. Yeah, that that's amazing. That's incredible. I, I love I love hearing that and just seeing it come to life. Michael, how has that experience been for you as you started like 10 years ago, I believe? 
on this mission, how has that change been from in the garage to where you are today? Yeah, it's a good question, Jordan. And I, I often don't really know how to answer it. Um, I think number one, I've surrounded myself with amazing people like Angie and our other staff and our awesome board members and incredible volunteers all across the country that really do the work, right? Um, I've tried to, you know, make sure that if there are, if I have weaknesses that from a, from a professional standpoint, I hire people that can mitigate those weaknesses and make sure that this organization is run like a business. I mean, I, yes, I, I, I certainly think that collaborating is smart, but I also think from a business perspective, merging and working together is smart. Oftentimes in the nonprofit world, we're like, oh, kumbaya, let's, let's do something together. Well, it's only really impactful if we actually do something together and it's better together than it is apart, right? That's the way we have to think from a business perspective, right? Um, and I will say, Jordan, there is a large part of this job that's very hard. Um, it is it is not an easy job and it is not for the faint of heart and it is not for people that um, have a big ego um, because you are constantly humbled, whether it's by a very sick 17-year-old or an incredible 75-year-old who has more wisdom than you can possibly imagine and has to, had to learn strength through continual, you know, adversity in their life. Uh, so I just, I consider myself very lucky. Um, I certainly have worked my ass off uh, to do what we do and to have the impact that we do, but um, we have so much more work to do. It's, it's like, you feel like, it's kind of like when you put on a big event or you do something big and you celebrate and we do celebrate, trust me, we work hard, we play hard, but, but we, you then wake up the next morning, you're like, okay, there are still people dying from this disease. There's still people not getting screened. So that's what drives me is, is, is knowing that we are making change, right? And I remember uh, one time, interestingly enough, uh, Barbara Boxer, a senator who I saw, unfortunately, was assaulted yesterday, uh, former Senator Barbara Boxer. She, she at one point talked about courage and how, you know, being courageous is often you know, disagreeing with everybody in the room at that time, but knowing it's the right thing to do, right? And I remember very the very beginning, it's like I was the only one that was like kind of pushing certain things. And, you know, I, I talk about that a lot, courageous leadership, and that's how we're going to make change, and that's how we're going to move forward, and that's how we're going to save lives. Yeah, Michael, I mean, you are definitely not the, the run of the mill nonprofit CEO. And I see that out right now. And just as we've had our discussion, because as you bring up that business dynamic too, the thing is that you got to raise money, you got to bring money in and you got to push it forward. Because if the money's not flowing, then the organization isn't growing. Mm -hmm. And that, that's just, it, it's paramount for that to occur. <laughs> so it's super prevalent that we're able to, to raise this money for this organization and, and for you guys to partner with the right people, collaborate, do whatever you need to do to push this forward. So for you, where did this, uh, like I know our time's running low, but where, where did this business headspace come from? Cause you're a professional musician and then you create, then you move into this organization in this role. Where, where did this all come from for you? Well, I think a couple things. My mom was a business owner. Um, she 
was actually a musician by training first as well, switched careers to uh, catering and then switched careers to interior design. And she built two very, very successful businesses. Um, it was a franchise company. She owned an entire region and a master license, which incorporated, I think, about 30 franchises that she oversaw, sold, trained, ran, et cetera. When my mom died, I took over her business. So I certainly learned there, but I had learned already kind of some of just by watching her since the time I grew up. And then also in the orchestras that I served in, I was always like on different committees, whether it was the development committee or the young professional committee or, and I really, I found myself obsessed with the business of, of the nonprofits that I was a part of, right? And how do they run and how do they raise money and how do they function, et cetera. So I mean, I never went to school for this, although I went to really great schools and had to take certain classes that I'm sure helped me. But, um, you know, I think being a musician also really taught, teaches you to think outside the box. It teaches you to work together, to collaborate, to find solutions, to do all of those things. Um, and it also teaches you to speak your mind. And like I said earlier, be courageous. So, um, I certainly have learned a crap ton and I continue to learn as Angie knows, and you know, every day we're learning and that's how our staff, we have to learn every day. We have to get better at what we do. Right. I, I mean, when, when I started this in 2010, there's no way, like, I didn't know what I know now. Right. I mean, I was nowhere near the type of leader that I am now. So I think that's also really important is that like to be humble enough to know that, you know, you've got to continue to grow as a professional or else this cause will not continue to grow and we won't have as much impact as we want. Yeah. I, I love that. The continually learning because a lot of, there's a lot of society that believes that, Hey, we went to college and there's no more learning. We don't learn anymore. But I think I've learned more outside of college and I'm just 25 than I did in college mm -hmm. because you get those real world experiences and you get those donations and you get that client or you get that where you get to learn about these different aspects. Um, it, it, it's super awesome. So, it, what, Jordan, one it, thing that I'd just like to quickly add to that, because I don't, you know, Michael, I don't think would say this, you know, about him himself, but because he's an entrepreneur, because he went from being a musician to running um, a large, you know, cancer nonprofit, um, he encouraged all of us to be very entrepreneurial. You know, sometimes when you think of the nonprofit sector, you think of things, you know, organizations that are slow or sort of not on the cutting edge, kind of behind the times, you know, bogged down, you know, whatever, whatever perceptions there are out there about um, nonprofits generally, our organization is extremely entrepreneurial because Michael is an entrepreneur and he is constantly pushing us to think outside the box, to try new things. We are encouraged to test and pilot things. Um, and if necessary, fail fast. We don't like to fail, but, um, you know, we are encouraged to do that. There is no fear of that at all in this organization. So for people who are like thinking like, do, is, you know, do I want to invest in this? Do I want to support this group? Do I want to put my money here? Um, you know, we are, we are very mindful of being good stewards of the money that comes into the organization and to doing everything possible that we can um, to make the most impact with those dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, it's great to hear that about the innovation, failing fast, learning from the experiences and, and, and really creating innovations that are allowing you guys to propel forward. Um, so that's the best thing. So 
what can the audience give to you guys? Like, what, what, what would you ask from the audience? Like, what, what would be the action step? Yeah, I would say, I would say two things or three things. One is Jordan, thank you and your brother for doing this and for stepping up and taking the initiative to bring us on. And it, it really means a lot. I, I truly appreciate it. And I think it will go a long way, uh, especially, um, you know, for the New York city marathon, hopefully, um, you guys have a successful run. Um, two, I would say every person listening should make sure that they themselves, if they're of screening age, should get screened and, or tell their parents or grandparents that they need to get screened like period. And then third, go on and press donate and donate to Jordan's team because that will help save a life for sure. So I think three, three, three things, simple, pretty, pretty easy, probably takes five minutes of your time and could save multiple lives in the process. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Andrew, do you have any last final thoughts or? Yeah, I think just, you know, in addition to um, what Michael said about getting screened or encouraging your parents or grandparents to get screened, just talk about this disease, talk about it, you know, find out if you have a family history, Um, just get informed. That, that is, that is probably the thing I think that is one of our biggest barriers is just knowing and knowing that you you have the ability to get information and to take control of your own health with regard to this particular type of cancer. Absolutely, absolutely. So I appreciate you guys coming on and bringing my awareness up and of course the audience's awareness. And so what we're gonna do is we'll throw in the, the link, we'll have the link to your website because that is a knowledge base like no other. And then we'll have the link to the donation where you guys can donate. And then, um, yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and spending the time with me. This was uh, really informative, and I, I know this is going to change lives as well. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. Jordan. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.